This is, um, some of you would know this, uh, if you're counting the sixth Sunday that we've met in this, you know, uh, temporary arrangement both here and, and next door in the gym. As we prepare to do the renovations, you can, uh, we're going to have an opportunity in a couple weeks, so a little teaser uh, to, to walk you all through that, but you can see this building when you drive around this morning. Uh, it's pretty obvious what's going on over there. But let me say something, you know, the, what are we, why are we doing this, right? The, the, the express reason we're doing this work, raising and spending a lot of money, uh, is to position ourselves with God's help to reach more people in this community uh, with the message of God's love. That's it. We don't need to do this, right? I mean, uh, right here, you might know this if you've been in church. I mean, just the people in this room and the gym, but even, even just the people in this room, uh, are, are, there's more people in this room than in a, an overwhelming majority of the churches in this country, right? That's true. Still today, even in the day of, uh, of you know, big cities, big churches. We don't have to do this, but we're choosing to do this. But let me be really clear about something because people have asked me this. Pastor, is this what we're doing? A, if you build it, right, this building or renovating the other buildings, if you build it, they will come. Is that our, your strategy? And let me be very clear. It is not our strategy, right? Because we are not in the business of, um, um, you know, bringing people. We're not in the movie business, right? We're not here for a very, you know, two, to get people to come here for two hours and have a great experience, right? That's not why we're here. We're not selling something. We're not selling automobiles or updating our, you know, our, our showroom. That's not what we're doing. We are not, we are not in, the, in the selling business. We are not in the have a great experience for two hours business. We're in the life change business. And the life change business is a lot slower than that. It doesn't happen in two hours. We're in the forgiveness business. That is, people experiencing forgiveness. We're in the healing broken relationships business. We're in try, helping people try to find a purpose for their lives in, with, in, in conjunction with a relationship with God for which they, life, this life does not give them. That's slow kind of work. It's a living, learning to live in a relationship with God and his word kind of business. Listen, that's not my job, right? It's our job because it takes a community to do that. And whether you are parking cars or helping to do that in the parking lot or whether you are mentoring a, a students in a small group over the course of, of, of a semester or a year or if you're tutoring kids in one of the local schools, we are in this together and it takes all of us to be involved, to have a role, to accomplish the life change experience that we're trying to bring about for students, for kids, for families. Last Sunday, if you were here, Father's Day experience, we had a, a special speaker, right? Uh, 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 um, Corey uh, Proctor, who was a, 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 a football player and shared his testimony. Corey told me that in these services, both here and there, about 40 people, you know, may have raised their hand, made a commitment, right? And, and we know we, we had about 150 people, at least numbers-wise, more than we did, let's say, the week before. So we have a sense that people invited guests People did make commitments of one kind or another. You know, that's amazing, but that commitment, it's just hello from the church standpoint. That's all it is. It's just, make, it's just a first step. We need to get people from that commitment or commitments that you or I might make into a learning community where they can actually experience life change, which happens over the course of time. And for that, we need 
all of us need to be in, right? There shouldn't be, church shouldn't be a spectator sport. And what the purpose of this series this month, too busy not to listen to God, too busy not to give, too busy not to share your faith, too busy not to serve, is to prepare us as a community to actually do the ministry that these facilities are simply the the, the shells or the places to do. So today is a message called Too Busy Not to Serve. And beginning with the end in mind, what I want to do is challenge you. Challenge some of you simply to say, Pastor, what I did the last year, I'm going to commit to doing it this coming year, this coming fall as we launch the year. We need you to recommit to however you're serving in the life of the church. Others of you might say, you know what, I haven't been serving or I was and I'm not anymore. I'm challenging you. I'm asking you uh, to get in the game with us. Too busy not to serve. Passage of Scripture, Acts chapter 6. If you have a copy of the Bible, open up. Verses 1 through 7. Acts chapter 6. You know, turn on your, uh, your device or your Bible. Uh, open it up. Or you can follow along here as I read these seven verses. Early church, the story of the early church. In those days, being the days when the church first started, more or less, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews, now who are those? Uh, the Hellenistic Jews are, they're obviously Jews, but they're, they're Jews that have a Greek background, which basically means in this culture, they probably, they may have living in other places besides Jerusalem or Israel. They may be living in other parts of the Middle East or Turkey or in Europe. So they're still Jewish people, but they've been assimilated into the Greek culture, which was the dominant culture of the day. Hellenistic Jews, now a part of the church, among them complained against the Hebraic Jews, that is, still Jewish people, but people who lived in Jerusalem, spoke Aramaic or Hebrew, and they, that was their culture. So it's kind of a, two different cultures, both Jewish, but two different cultures coming together because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food, one of the things the early church did. So the twelve, the apostles, gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word. They're, they were the primary preachers and teachers of the, of the Bible in the words of Jesus. In order to wait on tables, that is to serve uh, the com- out of the common fund. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This purpose pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them. So the word of God spread. Okay, here's the... Here's the takeaway. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Okay? This is the post-honeymoon, you might say. If you're reading the book of Acts, is the, the history of the early church. Essentially, you see a church that started from ground zero in Acts chapter 2. Some of you know this. The Holy Spirit comes down. It's called Pentecost. In overnight, literally in one day, the church had 3,000 people, right? God had worked in this powerful way. And by the time you get to Acts chapter, the end of Acts chapter 5, the church in maybe one to two years, not very long, it went from 3,000 to who knows, six, seven, eight thousand 8,000 people if you do the math in these early chapters. It was big. And let me tell you something. 
long before the internet, long before television, long before the modern technology revolution, this church grew in ways that no church, I don't know any church, a lot of big churches in the world today, right, in in big cities, in this country and others. I don't know of any of them that that grew 3,000 people in a day and doubled their attendance uh, in a year or two. None of them that I know grew that fast. And they did it here without technology. Listen, they did it without charismatic uh, personalities. They did it because the power of God showed up, right? But keep this in mind. This is part of why this passage is here. Keep in mind what churches do. What is the business of the church? I said, it's not showing movies. It's not creating a great experience, not a consumeristic kind of experience. It's not selling something. We're not doing transactions. We're in the redemption business, right? Which is a fancy word to say the church is designed to fix broken lives, all right? So the first important truth that you all need to get and I need to get as we think about having an aspiration to grow as a church is this, and this passage teaches that church growth is messy, right? Church growth, why is church growth messy? Because people's lives are messy. And when you get more messy people like me, like you, into the community, it takes work. It's messy. But think of the gospel is this. Hope you know this, even if you've been a Christian a long time. It's bad news before it's good news, right? Right? The gospel talks about forgiveness, but before you can experience forgiveness or your friends or your neighbors, you need to acknowledge that you need it, right? Listen, you, 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 the gospel is, is out to, to help troubled marriages, but before it's going to help your marriage, you need to acknowledge it needs to be fixed. Listen, the gospel ought to challenge your prejudices and your biases. I think that's what's happening here, right? The Hebraic Jews had a beef with the Hellenistic Jews, right? These are, it, but and you're, you're never going to have those uh, uh, biases and those prejudices challenged until you can face them. That's what the church is. It's a living, breathing community that helps you and me face hard truths about ourselves in the context of a loving community. We are to speak the truth in, in love to one another and grow up and mature, right? Do you, have that, do you have that kind of experience? Do I have that kind of an experience? That's what the church does. It's not a transaction. I had lunch with a guy this week. He's a, a doctor from our church, a, a, a GI doctor, and we sat down, and we're just, just hanging out, catching up. And he said, you know, I sat down, I, told my, I said to my wife uh, this morning, uh, Rob, he said, uh, I, the last time uh, I sat down with Pastor Rob was about five years ago. And he said, seeing you is like getting a colonoscopy. You know, he said, you know, after a certain age, you just do it every five years, right? But seriously, okay, church growth, church growth is messy, right? It's not always a spiritual colonoscopy, okay? But it's messy because our lives are messy, right? And we need to be decisive. We need to take decisive action if you really want to grow and if we really want to grow. And that's what this passage is about. It's about people taking decisive action. Listen, we don't have to um, do what we're doing. That is to say, spend millions of dollars and build buildings and, 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 and renovate ministries and create a capacity, infrastructure, to, to grow this church. We don't have to do it. We don't have to spend the money. We don't have to be concerned about lost people to reach more. But I think it's what we want to do. But if we are serious about it, that's what this month is about. 
We're going to have to challenge some of our ways of thinking. We're going to have to challenge some of our ways of doing. That's what this passage and we're going to, is about, right? And we're going to have to be open to receiving some people, qual- kinds of people, into this community that maybe are not here today. That's what I'm talking about, right? That's what's, that's, that, it's interesting, this is the test that's going on here. The, the church is going wonderfully. It's like, you know, up and to the right. This is, be, this is beyond, you know, the wildest dreams of, 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 of a bull market in the church market. Thousands are saved. And all of a sudden, it's not the opposition, it's not the persecution, it's from within, that this problem rises, right? This is where it happens. But here's what's so interesting. This problem arises because of prejudice, bias. You know, people like to be around people who are like them. And all of a sudden, the church, it's not actually different ethnic groups that's coming. This is what's so interesting. It's, it's Jews with Jews, but they just happen to be from two different sort of cultural um, environments, right? Some of those Jews might have grown up in Spain or something or, or, or in other parts of, of, of Israel or Turkey, and now they're here together in the church. But here's what's so funny. This is, this is, a, this is a practice session. Within a few years, you get to Acts chapter 10, the church starts to have Gentiles in it. People that aren't Jews, they're from every different background, every different stripe, every different skin color. The heaven, you know, uh, 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 all heaven breaks loose, so to speak. And that's what's going to happen here. It can happen here, right? Not just race and ethnicity, but all kinds of different backgrounds, spiritual backgrounds or lack of backgrounds. But it's going to take decisive action on our part, right? That's what this passage is about. The church growth is messy. And my second point to the heart of this passage is this. The church will experience growth, including this one, when its people decide to own the ministry, okay? This is, this, this is the main point. When it's peop- not when it's pastors decide to grow in the ministry, not when it's elders decide to grow in the ministry, when it's people decide to own the ministry. It's interesting, the conflict that's created here in Acts 6, it's a conflict, it's not typical, it may be, it's, it's not a conflict caused by, as I said, opposition or bad weather or, you know, the distribution channels or, 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 or government regulations that screwed up the business model. It's actually a problem caused by things happening in the right way, right? Verse 1, in those days, if you're, in the, if you're a church, you're in the people-changing uh, business. In those days when the number of disciples was decreasing and people were leaving the church and they ran out of money. No, that's not what's happening here. It's the opposite. The disciples were increasing, but growth in this passage actually causes problems. Why does it cause problems? Well, it's obvious when you think about it, right? Because new people that are broken, right? Remember that. It's, it'd be one thing if, and some people think this is what the church is. I'll come to church, I'll come to faith when my marriage gets fixed, when my sin problems get ironed out, when I sort of get my act together. Some people think that's what the church, the church is almost, it it would almost be as ridiculous if I said this to you. When you're, if you're sick, whether you have something extreme kind of disease, you know, life-threatening disease or the common flu or anything in between, if, if I said to you, when you get better, then go to the hospital. You say, why don't you go to the, why don't you go to the doctor? Well, I'm not gonna go until I feel better. You'd think that was ridiculous, but see, that's how some people see church. But see, the church is the opposite. It's for the spiritually sick and the spiritually broken. But when you get more of those people, and guess what? It means there's conflict. 
And see, the apostles are dealing with a conflict here, but it's, it's here in Acts chapter 6 because it's, it's trying to teach the church, capital church, something. When they say, listen, guys, we got to take a time out. God has uniquely gifted us in this context to preach and teach God's word, but we, we've been the guys who are administering the common fund. That's what it's called earlier in Acts chapter 4. That is, when, when the church started, there was no such thing as, you know, social security and, and you know, the safety net and, you know, uh, social services and, and, you know, government help. Those things didn't exist. When people needed help, they had to go to their neighbors or their community, and the church became a community that would meet physical needs and practical needs and emotional needs and help you with a job and help you with your sick family and help you, you know, fix your broken roof. And they took their money, Acts chapter 4, and they laid it at the apostles' feet. And they took their extra clothes and they laid it at the apostles' feet. And they took their extra animal and they laid it at the apostles' feet. And the apostles became the redistributors of this food and this clothes and this help. But when the church goes from X to Y to Z to thousands of people, the apostles say, good night. We can't do this anymore. We're spending seven days a week doing this, and we're neglecting this. But let me tell you what's so important about this passage. They didn't just need some help. We need 10 more guys. We need 10 more ladies. They didn't just need some help. They needed a whole new way of organizing the ministry. Right? That's why it says in verse 3, we will turn this responsibility over. Let me tell you something. The church will grow and you will grow as an individual. When you decide to see being a Christian as a responsibility. That's a problem. We don't see it as a responsibility. Many of us. We church, we live, I said this when I started this series four weeks ago, we live in a consumeristic culture, right? Every television commercial, even the way we organize some of our, our businesses, it's all about what somebody can do for you. I've noticed this recently, maybe it's happened more in the telephone industry, you know, back in the old days of, you know, 10 or 20 years ago, you had to sign a contract, AT&T, Verizon, contract, right? Nobody wants to sign, or, you know, cable. Now it's the day of no contract. Why, and why is that so popular? Because people don't want to make any commitments. And when one company does, they all have, and, I, and to me, I love it, right? But see, churches have become that way. Do you know in churches today, not just Browncroft, this is true across the board, they say, um, and, and I'm talking about churches that, you know, are committed. I'm not talking about, you know, you know, uh, you know social-only churches. I'm talking about churches that are committed to, let's say, what the Bible says. People committed to their faith. Those kinds of churches, I hope this is that kind of church. People, on average, come to church twice a month, right? On average, they come twice a month. And some of those times when they come twice a month, they, at one, month one of those two times, they go to a different church, Right? Let me tell you something. If you want to make an impact on a student, if you want to make an impact on a, a, in tutoring or mentoring a student, or you can't do that two days a month, two Sundays a month. You got to make a commitment, right? That's what they're talking about. He's not saying, listen, we are overwhelmed. We need some help next Saturday. They're saying, listen, we need to turn the responsibility over, right? You want to be a true father. There's a difference between being a Christian, I'm going to heaven when I die, in being a disciple. And the difference is you've accepted some responsibility, right? That's what they're saying. We need to turn this responsibility over to others. We lived in an opt-in and opt-out culture. You know, I, I had, two weeks ago, if you were here, 
uh, in this too busy not to sermon series, right? The purpose of this series is, is, is trying to help us as a congregation meet the ministry challenges of a new building. So the new building in some ways is easy. Yes, it's a lot of money, but you build a building. It's, it's populating the ministry opportunities to see those buildings and those environments, infrastructure, uh, to actually thrive and grow. See, that's a different story. And that's what, that's what the purpose of the series is. Too busy not to listen. If you're not listening to God in your life, we talked about three weeks ago, you're not going to be of any good to anybody else. Can't, what, how can you tell anybody else if you're not really listening to what God is saying in your life? If, you're too, if you haven't, aren't sharing your faith, too busy not to share, we talked about it last week, what, what's the point of being a Christian? And two weeks ago, we talked about too busy not to give. And I mentioned this quickly, you know, uh, 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 the average evangelical or, uh, you know, let's say church that's, that's really committed to God's word and serious Christians, whatever you want to call it, the average evangelical church, people that give, they give between 2 and 7% of their income. Now, the Old Testament model was 10%, and most people would tell you that know their Bible or, or, or Bible students or scholars that the demands, the standards of the New Testament are greater than the standards in the Old Testament, not the other way around. It's about giving from your hearts, but it's in response to what God's done in your heart. So most churches give between two and seven, and I gave that message and challenged us to be not too busy to give. And Rhonda told me, my assistant said last, maybe it was a week, maybe it was a week and a half ago, and she said, listen, so-and-so, this, this woman, uh, I didn't know her, Rhonda said, but she's been here for a little while. She wants to talk with you briefly. And I said, uh, what's it about? She said, you know, she didn't know. And I said, well, okay, you know, set it up. And I got here, uh, it was maybe a week and a half ago, and and uh, she was sitting there waiting for me, and I uh, introduced myself, and she said, uh, um, I said, you know, come on, have a sit, come on, have a seat. She goes, you know, I just need a minute of your time. She didn't, we didn't even sit down. I, she didn't need to. She said, I just want you to know I, I've been in the church for about uh, the better part of a year, and I've actually been a Christian for many uh, years, many years, uh, uh, but I have not been a part of a church for various reasons. But I feel uh, now, in the last uh, eight or nine months, I, this is the church I want to be a part of. And I was really, uh, uh, you know, convicted by what you said. And I just want to, um, you know, make good on that. And she gave me an envelope, right, now, a check, obviously, in response. And I just said, well, thank you. That's so kind. And, and, and that was sort of the end of the conversation. And, I mean, that doesn't happen very often. People don't deliver their offering to me. But I said, okay, thanks. And, and she did that. And then I sat down, and I opened up. It was a check for $35,000. Okay. What's my point? It was, she, it was, she made a decisive action, guys, right? She took action, right? That, that, that's all I'm trying to say is. It's about being decisive and saying, listen, God is turning the responsibility over to every one of us. And I don't know what that means for it. We all don't do the same thing. You don't need, uh, you know, 50 of me. It's not worth it. It's a waste of money. But we all have a role, and that's really what this passage is talking about. 1 Peter chapter 4, one other quick verse. Is this for, you know, just for the, the, you know, the people who went to seminary or the people who have been Christians a long time? No. Each one of you, each one of you should use whatever gift you have received, right? Received, it's from God, to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, watch this, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. Think about that. You're talking to students, adults, whatever. So as speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. 
So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. What's the big idea of, why, of that passage? Here's the, big, here's the point. Our service activates the word of God and the power of God in your own life, right? So when I say to you, listen, guys, I'm challenging you. I'm, I'm really encouraging you. Get involved. I'm going to close this service in a few minutes, and I'm going to challenge you to make a decision or a first step towards a decision to serve in this community, from kids to students to the parking lot to our local missions, to make a commitment to be a part of this ministry as we launch the fall. That's what I want you to do. But let me say something. I'm not asking you to do me a favor. I'm asking you to do yourself a favor, right? Because it's only when you decide to take responsibility and actually serve that the power of God, let him who speaks speak as if it was God's words, and let those who serve serve with the strength that God provides. You know why you don't have the strength that God provides in your life? Because you're just sitting home. You're a spectator. You're a no-contract Christian, right? And many of us are that way. Do yourself a favor and decide you want to be a part of what God is doing. Last point, this is the whole application, right? Where is God calling you to serve today? Where is God calling you to serve today, right? You just need to take a step. That's all you need to do is take a step. And here's what I want you guys to do while you're thinking about this. How do I figure that out? Um, it, most of you have a phone, so we're trying it this way. If you have a phone, go ahead and, and if you do this now, write this number down, but you can do it right while you're sitting here. What am I asking you to do today? To make a commitment? Sign your name in, uh, you know, on a form or in blood? No. What I'm asking you to do is to make a commitment, give us your name and your email, and say, I'm interested. And if once you text this, uh, text your, your, the word serve to this number, it'll send you back a quick form just ask for your name and email. And then there's three or four different slots. I want to sign up for um, working in the parking lot. As a, uh, I want to work in worship ministries. I want to work with kids. I, I got a, uh, a, a text just from um, one of our leaders this week, from um, Trish Yoder, or one of our staff, I should say. And she knew I was giving this message, and, and you know, uh, leave it to her not to... Uh, uh, you know, to, to, to encourage me. She said this. This was maybe Wednesday. Hi, Rob. I need you to pray. Good. We are in need of 10 committed small group leaders for our Explore children, first through fifth grade, for the fall. I need one more coach. Trusting God to provide, I am anxious. Thank you so much, right? Right? We need you. We need you. Can't do it without you. It's our job. They're turning over their responsibility, and I'm encouraging you uh, uh, to do that today. Now, for some of you, it's simply about recommitting to what you've already doing. Uh, that's all I'm asking you to do, and you don't have to sign anything. But if you're serving in this ministry or have been in our sort of program year, now it's summer, things are a little different, there's some, some, some breaks and some summer uh, help, so to speak. But if you're a regular uh, committed server, family ministry, connections ministry, worship ministry, local uh, uh, partnerships, whatever the case may be, I'm challenging you, encouraging you to say, we need you. You, you. you need us to recommit, and I hope you'll do that. But for others, um, I need you to think about if God's calling you to do this. I, I, had, I had dinner with my, my small group this week. Um, we went to the hangout and have dinner together, and we were talking about um, passing food around, talking about you know, trying different kinds of food. 
and, and one of the guys in the, my small group said, you know, I'm, I'm a picky eater. I am too. And he said, you know, I'm a, I'm a picky eater, and I, ha- I sort of have a, a, an instinctive response to food that I don't like. And I said, what is it? And he said, I've never tried it, but I know I don't like it. <laughs> and I think that's the way a lot of us, you know, think about what I'm talking about here today. You know, how would you like to serve in a, in a ministry with students, with, adu- uh, with young adults, working uh, in, in, in maybe a local ministry here uh, that serves, uh, d- d- you know, the challenging parts of our community? Uh, how would you like to do that? Well, uh, uh, you know, I've never tried it, but I know I don't like it, all right? I'm challenging you uh, to do that today. So I want you to be thinking about it. Uh, Go ahead, and, and while you're thinking about whether or not you want to do this, again, what you'll do here is if you, if you sign up, all you'll get back is an email and an invitation to a meeting over the next month, let's say. Um, if it's the worship meeting, if it's the parking lot meeting, if it's the uh, serving and family ministries meeting, you'll get an invitation to a meeting, and it's at the meeting you'll make a commitment. So all we're looking for you to do is to take a step. But I have a video I want to show you just to inspire us all as we close, just a couple minutes of a young man in our church uh, who's uh, somewhere, maybe he's in the gym, serving Dylan Carnival, um, who I just continue to be encouraged by his ministry and his service. Watch this uh, brief video. When I was younger, in my, my 20s, early college, college years, God really inspired me uh, to give up everything I was doing to sell all my stuff and just move into the inner city, worst neighborhood I could find in Rochester with a group of friends. That was something that probably sounds crazy to anybody, um, but it was really in that time of my life where I, I really began to change. Uh, God started doing work in me that uh, has just changed my life. Giving to others who were in great need that uh, I really found a true sense of God's love. It was something where I think for the first time in my life I had experienced um, you know, what it meant to be uh, doing the, the work of God, the will of God. It was just a, an awesome experience. And as I've gotten older, as I've uh, started a career, I've learned and I've realized that serving doesn't have to be a, an all-in, give up everything in your life to serve, but it's something that you can do whenever there's a need. So it could be something like Wednesday nights, it could be a Sunday morning. Serving has been uh, part of my life simply because of all that God has given me, all the love that God's poured out into my life. Um, I, I can't help but try and do the same for others. When I was new to Browncroft, serving was that bridge and that gap where it only took a matter of days and I had a lot of people that uh, I kind of started to know personally. We started to build memories. Even to this day, when I come to church on Sundays or when I'm you know here for an event, uh, I, I feel right at home. So when it comes to serving as a youth leader, uh, it's kind of effortless. It's just all about finding common ground, um, finding a connection with the kid, um, and just growing from there. So sometimes it can be something as simple as uh, a sporting event, a video game, even like a, a favorite hobby. Uh, just something to start that dialogue and then build that relationship over time. So you never really think about people like Dylan who are giving to others through service and the impact that they can have on your lives personally or in our case on our family. Right, we had a need and we were praying to God that he would fill it. Dylan came to us as our son's small group leader and he has met that need. He's filled the gap 
well, fill the gap in ways that we could never have even imagined, right? He is so much more than a small group leader for us. He's become a family friend. Right. He's an incredible mentor for our son. He is such a blessing to our family in ways that he doesn't even know. Could imagine being a part of a church and not being in the community. I think that serving really opens you up. One, giving outwards, but also for people to, to pour into you. And what I get out of serving is just all the love and care of all the other people serving here at the church, which is more than you can imagine. Amen. Yeah, amen. Let me uh, say this. Uh, this is for the guys and ladies, the crowd in the gym as well. Um, you know, not everybody uh, you know, walks around with a smartphone in their pocket. And, uh, but we, uh, we just want to try to make this easy. But if you'd say, okay, I'm ready, uh, Rob, to make the first decision, which is just to express interest. I'm willing to take that first step. And if you, you don't have your phone or that's not your way, just walk right over. I'm look, I can see uh, uh, Mike Pitts and Cody and a few others over there at this little next steps tent. And they'll help you. They'll just do, you know, take your name. It'll take you, you know, a whole minute uh, to just help take the next step. I want to encourage you to do that. Those of you in the gym as well, just come right out. Come on over to this table and be thinking about it, praying about it. We're talking about the fall, right? Not next Sunday, but we need to start that process today. I, I heard recently uh, someone quote Dorothy Day. If you know who Dorothy Day is, the kind of America's version of Mother Teresa, I guess, um, who served uh, in uh, the early part of the 20th century and really in, the, in much of the 20th century. I think she died in the 70s or 80s, I can't remember. Um, but serving the homeless in, in America. And she said this in response to a question one time of, you know, feeling like you're, you know, you're not making a difference. The problem is too big, right, in trying to help uh, broken people, whether those are homeless people or uh, nice-dressed, uh, you know, uh, suburbanites who are every bit as broken uh, in other ways. And she said, no one has a right to sit down and feel hopeless. There's too much work to do, right? Too much work to do. When we talk about, you know, that the, the church uh, will experience growth when the congregation owns the ministry, it's not just corporate growth, it's personal growth, right? So, I mean, there's probably not a person in this room, if we're honest, who isn't hopeless in some area in your life. Let me tell you the answer to hopelessness. It's not more television. It's not, you know, more, um, you, know, uh, 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 you know, just thinking about your problems, it's about, um, there's too much work to do. Pour yourself into um, doing some good in taking the gospel propositionally and practically into uh, the community in small and big ways and watch God electrify your heart. That's what we're talking about. So stand with me as we close. This is what I would like to do as we close this message is I want to pray for us in the, in the passage that we read, Acts chapter 6, it says um, that the apostles were, uh, you know, uh, uh, it thought this was a great plan. It pleased the whole group, everybody. And they presented these other uh, uh, church people, uh, and they laid hands on them, right? It's sort of just, it's, is, it, is it magical? No, it's a, it was a way of, 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 of submitting themselves to the, God's authority, in a way of just allowing a, a, a tangible touch, uh, a, de a demonstration of humility and surrender 
for God's power in his calling in your life. That's what it's for. And I do not fancy myself an apostle, nor do I, am I have the ability to go uh, put my hand on uh, uh, everyone's shoulder in here or in the gym, but you can do it. So I want you to just put your hand on the shoulder of somebody next to you. Uh, it's, no one's going to bite you. It's okay. And let's uh, just keep your hand there as I close in prayer and as we ask God in a manner of speaking uh, to commission us as a body. Let's pray. Father, strengthen the commitment of our hearts and be in the commissioning of our hands as we stand before you this morning. As you called the early church, so you call us to serve you by serving each other. And those you have called yet, or excuse me, have yet to call to yourself in this community. Give us faith to do what you're calling each of us to do. Make us more the church you have called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Have a great Sunday.